If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. Welcome to Considering Catholicism. If you're a new listener, then stick around by hitting the follow or the subscribe button on the top of whatever podcast platform that you use. And if you like what you hear, would you rate it and write a review? And then head over to our website, consideringcatholicism.com, where you'll find all of the episodes archived and searchable by topic. And if you're a long-time listener, thank you. Thank you for listening. And thank you for all of your messages and emails and all the encouragement you send. I love hearing your stories and, and your questions are all great. Now, I, I try my best to answer them either on the air or off. So keep sending them and I'll keep trying to answer them. And to all of you who generously support this podcast with your one-time or recurring donations, thank you. Really, really thank you from the bottom of my heart. Because your support provides the time, the tools, and the technology needed to produce this show. And hopefully expand it in the future. I've got a lot of really cool ideas for ways that we could help even more people to learn about and consider Catholicism. And the, really the biggest barrier to going to the next level is just having those time and tools to do it. So, if you'd like to help, you can click the support link in the episode notes or on the website. Now, about today's topic, the artificial intelligence or the AI revolution, well, it's already begun. Over the last 12 months, the world has begun to see what has been developing in the background for the last couple of decades, and it's shocked a lot of people how far it's come. AI assistants like ChatGPT or Google's Bard have gotten a lot of headlines and have already begun to change the way that people learn and manage and produce information. But those are just the tip of the iceberg because most of this AI revolution is going on below the level of headlines and students using ChatGPT to do their homework. In almost every field, AI is changing our toolboxes, our workflows, and how we do our jobs. And that change is only going to accelerate as AI becomes more powerful, faster, and more integrated into our lives. In fact, most experts predict that within the next 36 months or so, AI will become AGI, stands for Artificial General Intelligence. That's technology with intellectual capabilities indistinguishable from or superior to human beings. Now, where the rubber might meet the road for many of us is how AI is going to be paired with robotics. So, so just the other night, I was watching a YouTube documentary of all of the different types of robots that are being currently developed, powered by onboard AI. <laughs> it's, it's like every science fiction movie that you ever saw 
and it's coming fast. Probably within the next five to 10 years, you're likely going to be surrounded by robots doing a lot of things that people used to do. Everyone is speculating about how this is all going to change the world, change the workplace, alter the fundamental economy and organization of human life. I showed my wife some of that YouTube documentary, and we got into this long conversation about how a lot of it could improve day-to-day life. I mean, think of all the dangerous and tedious tasks that physically injure humans. She and I were talking about robots that could lift and carry loads that, you know, damage people's backs or make it easier for elderly people to repair and maintain their homes with robots that can do things like clean the gutters on your roof or something. Now, those would be good things, right? But on the other hand, we could get robot soldiers and terminators that would be, well, frightening. So as I was thinking about all this, it reminded me of a Considering Catholicism episode that I did two years ago about a worldview that I called Plastic Modernity. Plastic Modernity is the belief, really the assumption, that somehow technology will give us the power to endlessly bend and reshape our lives, even bend and reshape reality to match our will, to match our wishes and our whims. It's the belief that with technology, we can change the fundamental equations of life, of the real world, that technology gives us the power to be like gods, making the world and ourselves into whatever we desire. And so, I woke up this morning and I thought, I'll reshare my thoughts on how plastic modernity squares up with Catholicism. So, this is an excerpt from that episode a couple of years ago, and I thought I'd share it as a bonus episode today. Now, from the top, as loudly and clearly as I can say it, I want to say that science and technology are good things. In fact, Catholicism has always taught that the image of God in mankind gifts us with intellect and will, meaning that we were created to understand the world around us and act upon it. As image bearers of God, we share in his creative capacity and power. Adam and Eve were put into the Garden of Eden to care for it as stewards. And that means that we are called to use our intellect to investigate God's creation and our hands not only to preserve it, but to improve it by bringing order, inventing ways to produce and build and heal. Despite popular mythology and frankly outright lies, for 2,000 years, Catholicism and the Catholic Church have promoted education, science, and technology in every field, from architecture to astronomy, from map-making to medicine. But, while science and technology are compatible with the Catholic faith and an integral component of Catholic culture, we don't place our faith in science and technology. We don't believe that the sources of our problems are primarily physical and thus solvable by better technology. And we certainly don't let science, spelled with a capital S, 
become a kind of religion with technology as its sacrament and liturgy. But those are the elements of a worldview that might be called plastic modernity. How did we get from seeing technology as a tool to treating it as a means of salvation? Well, consider what technology does. It gives us power over our circumstances. In particular, it allows us to mitigate the effects and limitations of the natural world on our lives. So, when early humans were cold, they could build a fire. Building technology kept the rain off their heads and walls kept wild animals and enemies outside the city. People developed weapons to hunt, tools to plant farms, aqueducts and canals to move water to wherever they needed it to be. They discovered plants with medicinal properties and learned how to dress wounds and mend broken bones. They domesticated animals, invented saddles to ride them, and wheels and carts to move things from one place to another. Without scientific knowledge and technological innovation, we would be naked, cold, wet, hungry, and all our stuff would be in the wrong place. But our curious intellects and creative wills allowed us, to some degree, to shape the natural world to our advantage, even to our desires within reasonable limits. And it's even shaped our faith. Consider for a moment the engineering, design, and construction, not to mention the sculpture, painting, and music, which allowed Catholics to conceive of, build, and worship in the great basilicas and cathedrals. They not only expressed our imagination and experience of the Catholic faith, they in turn have formed how we imagine and experience the faith. And consider how Christianity progressed through communications technology. The written word, the printing press, radio, film, the computer, the internet, even podcasting have allowed us to better know and to share our faith. But, and you had to know that a but was coming, this dynamic works both ways, doesn't it? We use technology to affect our world, but in the process, it also ends up affecting us. It changes the way that we live, our expectations and desires and hopes, the way we think about the future. And as technology has advanced over the ages, building upon itself, there came a, a subtle shift. Over time, it progressed from shaping our external circumstances to shaping us. It began to dictate our values, our culture, even our identity. In fact, technology hasn't progressed along a straight line. Over the ages, there have been a series of explosive bursts upward, often called revolutions. So, for example, the agricultural revolution, the industrial revolution, the digital revolution, etc. Often followed by a series of plateaus of slower growth before another revolution. But the overall net effect has been an exponential curve of technological progress upward. So, the Wright brothers first got airborne for only 12 seconds in 1903, and that was only 119 years ago. The first computer, called ENIAC, was invented in 1946, only 76 years ago. 
The first artificial heart, the Jarvik 7, was installed in someone's chest in 1982, 40 years ago. The World Wide Web itself went online in 1990, only 32 years ago. And the Human Genome Project, a nearly complete mapping of human DNA, was completed in 2003, only 19 years ago. Invention is rapidly building on invention. The digital revolution might be followed, perhaps, by a biological revolution. We have more and more control over nature and the circumstances of our lives, but this technology also has more and more control over us, including how we understand ourselves and our worldview, including our faith. And this brings me to the point. If the first inventions allowed early humans to shape their reality by carving out a little shelter, heat, food, and maybe some decoration on the walls, and later inventions gave them the power to live in complex societies within large cities and to communicate ideas across distance and time, and later inventions gave us the power to reduce disease and increase life expectancy and to build wealth, then over time we have come to believe that technology has a nearly infinite capacity to allow us to shape the world to our desires. Increasingly, many of us see the world around us as a kind of moldable plastic that can be bent or formed if only we develop the right tools. So, are you frustrated by the limitations of time and space? Can't meet with someone in person? We have FaceTime and Zoom. Don't like the gender you were born with? Well, now you just change it. Love your dog and want to keep him forever instead of having six dogs spaced throughout your lifetime? No problem. Just clone him and have the same dog six times. Someone's probably working on that and no doubt will try to bring it to market before long. Bored with who you are, where you live, your family, what you do? No problem. You can now immerse yourself into the virtual reality of a vast multiplayer online video game in which you create an alternate self. You can be a princess or a dragon or a samurai or a fairy or whatever you want to be, 24-7. Mark Zuckerberg has changed the corporate name of Facebook to Meta and is launching a creepy metaverse that you'll be able to live in with 3D goggles. After a while, your online meta-self will become the real you, and you'll only need to leave to enter the physical world, what they call meat space, when you have to. Want to be in Shanghai in an hour? We're building a suborbital space plane that will get you there. Want the perfect partner? Increasingly, advanced sex robots are being brought to market. Never want to be offline anywhere on the planet? Multiple companies are building constellations of tens of thousands of satellites ringing the earth to give instant high-speed internet anywhere at any time. Want to live to be 100, 125, 150, 200? Someone is working on that through combinations of gene therapy, robotics, and growing your own replacement organs that can be swapped out like car parts as yours wear out. Someone will try to bring that to market within the next 20 years. We can eliminate birth defects or undesirable human qualities, either with gene therapies or controls or prenatal screens that lead to aborting undesirable fetuses so that someone can try again. And with all of this, 
We are faced with choices that would have been nonsensical in earlier times without the tools that we have now. So, choices like, would I prefer at this point in my life to be a boy, a girl, intersex, or none of the above? No one in human history has ever asked that question. The point is that technology is giving us such power to mold the world around us that we are becoming convinced that the universe, including us, is plastic in nature. All we need are the right tools to shape it to whatever we want it to be. And don't worry, because there is always someone, and they are increasingly powerful corporations, that are inventing those tools and willing to sell them to us. In effect, to sell us life however we want it to be. A plastic universe full of plastic lives to satisfy our plastic selves. Perhaps the greatest danger in all of this is that we become to believe that truth itself is plastic, moldable to suit our desires. And that means that value is plastic. To be valuable is to be something that can be conformed to our desires, not something that we ought to conform ourselves to with humility. We come to believe that with the right technology, there are no fixed points, no constants. The Catholic values of truth and goodness and beauty become plastic, even liquid. God becomes liquid, flowing and adapting and filling whatever we him or her or it to be or fill. The worship of technology, the promise of a plastic or liquid universe, fulfills the lie that the serpent told Adam and Eve in the garden, that you shall become as gods yourselves, knowing and judging and shaping good and evil. So, are Christians supposed to be primitives? Are we supposed to lock ourselves into some supposedly ideal period of technological develop like like the Amish have? Should we live like 13th century Catholics during the high Middle Ages? No. That's a fool's errand because there, there was no ideal time. Or on the other hand, are we free to embrace technology without any hesitation as a blessing from God? and to pursue unlimited human creativity that expands our lives and our opportunities and reduces the pain of human life? Well, the problem is that human knowledge and invention aren't synchronized with wisdom or spiritual maturity. Which is to say that just because we have superior engineering skills and manufacturing capacity, we are not necessarily wiser than those who came before us. Technological innovation and genius should never be mistaken with godliness or development of what Catholic thought calls the human person. Some inventions have advanced the potential of the human person, like the written word or art or medicine or whatever. And some have had a neutral effect. So engineering has been used to both help and hurt human development. And some have had a negative effect. So some inventions are like genies that escaped the bottle and we can never put them back. But at the core, we need to remember that mankind is made in the image of God. And that means that we inherently have some of God's qualities 
And the very first thing that we see God do in the Bible is to create, to imagine, and to invent and to shape reality. To be truly human, to be made in God's image, is to have something of the capacity to do the same, to reflect those qualities in him within a human scale. But while we have inventive genius woven into our DNA by God, our wisdom and will have been darkened by sin. We have the power to invent amazing things, but our judgment about what to invent and how to use our inventions is greatly compromised and has been ever since the serpent whispered into our ear that by striking out on our own, we could be as gods ourselves. Now, a truly Catholic Christian worldview marries certain truths. For example, an unexamined pursuit of technology and what it can do for us leads to a worship of our own power, which is ultimately a worship of ourselves. Nature can be affected by human invention, but reality itself is not plastic. We need what Pope Francis has called a theology of integrative ecology to understand that the world is full of connections. Changing something over here affects something else over there. We can't bend the world to suit our desires, worshiping what he calls a throwaway culture of endless consumerism in which technology empowers us to purchase the life that we think that we want. We're called to develop the image of God within us. We were created to invent tools and then make things with them. But we are also to be stewards of the world that is entrusted to us, to invent and create for the common good and our common home. And we must seek after the wisdom of the Father and develop the mind of Christ in us under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Only then will we have the maturity to judge what is right and wrong and to set wise limits on our use of technology. Now, over the last century, the popes have weighed in often on these issues, warning of the seduction and unintended consequences of an unexamined and unrestricted pursuit of technological power. For example, In 1968, Pope Paul VI, in the encyclical Humanae Vitae, warned against the dangerous pride and commercial exploitation and unintended consequences of artificial birth control, the invention of the pill. His predictions have turned out to be frighteningly true. And not just about the pill, but about the worldview that produced it and the headlong pursuit of technology's promises and their impact on human development. Pope Francis, in the 2015 encyclical Laudato Si, argued for a theology of integral human development, a perspective of integral ecology, and solidarity and care of the common good and our common home. Now, I believe that Francis' agenda has been greatly misunderstood for various reasons by parties on all sides of these issues. But he has consistently warned us of an unbridled lust for and pursuit of technological consumerism, especially driven by global corporations, which seduces us into believing that reality is plastic or liquid. But that's not the story that the scriptures tell. Historic biblical Christianity worships a God of order and development and productivity 
that releases and unfolds life. But it also worships a God that is careful about distinctions and categories, a God that creates by separating light from darkness, land from water, male from female. And that order is not subject to our redesign or endless manipulations based on whimsical fantasies. God asks us to put our ultimate trust in Him, not in our own intellect. Because while we do have physical problems that can be fixed by tools, our ultimate problems are not physical and fixable with engineering solutions or consumer products. What is ultimately true, ultimately good, and ultimately beautiful is not plastic. It is immutable, which means that it cannot be molded to suit our desires. Reality does not bend just because we want it to. We are to be inventors, to use technology to enhance and extend God's order and wisdom and to alleviate the sufferings of the fall, but in accordance with the wisdom of the Lord and in line with his purposes. How do we know what God wants? Well, we put on the mind of Christ and we grow in maturity. As Catholics, we have been blessed with both the scriptures and the apostolic teaching of the church. And we need to resist the seduction of plastic or liquid modernity to listen and choose wisely.